So, David. Oh, my God. I don't, look, here's the thing. <laughs> I thought I would start this intro because I, will, I knew as soon as that Four Corners app dropped, the excitement levels would be extreme. The words holy and shit yeah. do sort of come into my mind at the moment. That was a really difficult 45 minutes to watch. Yeah. And not just because it's on the ABC. It was a very... Okay, okay. Look, there's a lot to discuss here and this is exactly in a wheelhouse. Now, we have to say apologies because we were going to talk about Russia. But oh, we, we are talking about Russia and we can actually well, cover that off if you want. How about we don't? Because I think this there's so much. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot going on at the moment. Now, if you don't know what we're talking about, we'll discuss in a minute. After this happy little intro. You're listening to I Spied, the hidden mole of Australian intelligence. Can, can, can you see it? I think it's on my butt. I'm not. Just, I'm not, just look. I don't want to look. There. No. Just, should no, I just get a burnt up. off? Just put your pants up. Put your pants up. Okay. Hello and welcome to I Spied. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And gosh darn it. Wow. Did we not get some revelations from Four Corners app on an ASIO spy who had turned and was working for the Russians. Yes, working for the Russians. And the secrecy around this, I think, was the diabolical perspective on this. Like the fact that ASIO were not transparent about this. Yeah. One of the things that's like, as you said, it's been a really wild couple of days yes. for me because despite all the other things I know in my life, this has sort of bubbled underneath all of it. I've had lots of messages from people. I've had emails from people that I have not heard of from for mm. literally decades. I've had contact with people and just like going, what the hell is going on? So how about we start from the beginning? Because we should really break it down for the people who have not watched the app. And if you haven't watched the app, go on to the ABC iView app and give it a watch. Or you can even listen. They've done a really good little podcast, the Daily News yep. podcast, ABC. You can listen to that as well. Now, the interesting thing that it, it literally it starts the the title is traitor. Yeah. Right? Now, essentially, ASIO for years had been under the suspicion that the KGB had penetrated. Them. Yes, they knew. And the a lot of people would sort of like go, "Well, why would?" the KGB be interested in ASIO. ASIO is a member of Five Eyes. Mm. ASIO has access to intelligence that comes from the Five Eyes members, including the UK and the US. They're two very important countries in the whole espionage war or the Cold War. And it was Cold War stuff. Essentially, an Australian intelligence officer, a member of ASIO, contacted the Russian embassy, sent them some intelligence and said, I can get you more if you're willing to pay. Yes, and this was a high-ranking intelligence agent. He was middle. He was middle? what we call middle management, and we'll get into that. That's a very important aspect of why he may have done this. But essentially, we've been looking for this spy for years. It's not that we haven't we hadn't found him. What is really interesting about this is, for the first time, he's been publicly named. Yeah, and it was interesting because one of the the points that I have heard is how you know other countries like to write books about and movies about you know spies with amongst them and turncoats yep. and. ASIO specifically is not very transparent about these things. They don't like to admit that this has happened. Well, it's it's not the sort of thing you want to admit. It's I incredibly embarrassing. Now, it's interesting enough, as we were coming into the studio and everyone here at Dimitina sort of went, my God, how are you feeling? And what was your week like? And ha, 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 and ha, ha, ASIO 
goes to show. What's really interesting about that is, in one sense, there's a lot of people going around going, oh, Ozio, they're hopeless. But hey, it's a real testament to their training that this guy managed to get away with it for so long because he was trained by the firm how to do this. And the reason he knew how to do this was it was his job to find people that do this. Now, they knew that that something or someone had turned. They knew yeah. and they, did, they yeah. did like kind of periphery kind of investigation, which didn't really turn anything up. It turned up George Sedil and George Sedil, who was an interpreter. Essentially, there are a lot of people in the organisation that went, oh, George, he's an idiot. Uh, he took classified material home. Essentially, the case against him collapsed simply because it was like really this – this isn't really that big an issue. It was more staff-related stuff than it was hard intelligence. So he took classified material home. And look, if it's marked confidential, it's classified, right? So, And that might just be so much as a staff notification. Now, what was being handed over, and this is the really big thing, what was being handed over by, he was known as Mira by mm-hmm. the Russians, which means peace. He was known, the operation to find him was called Regatta or expose him. By the time Regatta started, they knew who it was. They just needed, they, yeah. you, they had to expose it. He was no longer in the organisation by that time. But the, his name was Peacock, right? He was the head of espionage in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So he was basically running, he was meant to be running people against the Russians. Now, the interesting one was Harry Russell, who was one of the, he was the ex-ASIO officer being interviewed on Four Corners. Harry said, one thing, and it, this is where it really, really struck me. I just like went, oh my God. And I know Harry, he's a lovely guy. When he turned around and he said, how do you think it feels when the best years of your life have been spent working for the other side? Yeah. And that's the real, that's the real crux was you were working for a guy that was literally pointing you in the wrong direction. Yeah, and a lot of people who worked alongside him and underneath him do feel this level of betrayal mm. and they feel as though because, you know, he was handing over information on them, their families, all of this kind of stuff Yeah, now that, and going to work with them every day. Yeah, now that was the, that's another really big thing is you suddenly realise, hang on a minute, this guy knows everything about yes. me and now they do as well. Yeah. And as, again, as Harry put it in Four Corners, it wasn't just me, it was my family. It was every weakness in my life. And it, don't get me wrong when I say this, a family is a weakness. Yeah, of you know, course. You're expo- you can be exposed to, to harm, for want of a better phrase, if your family has any compromise within it. Right, you know, if you've got a wife that's an alcoholic, mm. that can become an incredibly soft spot in your personal armour when as an intelligence officer. So if that information is being handed over to a foreign power, not just a foreign power, but an adversarial power, that's huge. And it takes a certain kind of person who can be betraying people day in and day out and still hanging out with them, going to work with them, oh, yeah. having beers with them. Yeah. Like this is – and this was like 20 years that it was going on? No, 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 no. Now no. that's the interesting ha- thing. That I'm still trying to get the timeline yeah. right in I my head. I was trying to understand the timeline as well. Right, simply because when you look at it, the timeline – supposedly he contacted the Russians in 77 mm. and he were, he left the organisation in 83. So that's six years. 
right? That's still a lot of time. Yeah, and during that time, they were noticing that all well, a lot of the the um, missions that they put up were getting foiled. Every Russian operation somehow fell over. Yes. It's like they knew something. And what was interesting too, they said during that time that, you know, the ASIO spies, there was a lot of you got hired by who you knew. There was a lot of boys club mentality. The old and bold. And so no one ever suspected that it would have been one of their mates. Now, this occurred during the transition from the old, very military style organisation that it was. It was under a brigadier. Right, it started under Colonel Spry. He became a brigadier. Mm. And Brigadier Spry, I was not under, I never worked for Spry. I, I came in in 86, yep. right? Peacock left in 83. So I never met the man. Certainly read a lot of his documents because mm. they came across my desk. But there were people that I worked with that did work with him. And the thing is, back in the day, yeah, you recruited Guys, it was that classic Kim Philby, mm. oh, he's wearing an eaten tie, he's got to be a good guy, let him yeah. in. Not realising that, interestingly enough, Philby was involved in this case when the Russians had the intelligence, the initial outreach from Peacock saying, here's the intelligence I can get you, I want cash. They took that intelligence back to Moscow. They scrubbed it of any identification, handed it to Philby. Philby went, this is legit and it's from Australia. He knew without any markings on it mm. that it was Australia, it was access from Australia. And that was like, you know, champagne corks were literally popping in Dzinski Square because, oh my God, we've got what we want. We're through what we call the soft underbelly of Five Eyes because ASIO was regarded as a soft target. And he did, you know, the transfer of information through the good old dead drop. Oh, mate. You know, Centennial Park, Watson's Bay, like, you know, iconic Australian places. The the classic dry cleaning run, one of which I... Firmly believe that I was involved, not for uh, this guy, <laughs> yeah. but for my guy. And if you didn't want to listen to it, yeah, uh, just listen to our episode about that. It was one of our very first episodes, yes. actually, is me following a suspected KGB guy. The whole thing is he got in because, A, he was part of the old boys club, but if the kind of restrictions and kind of analysis and kind of deep dives that they do into you when you join now mm. were taking place – There's no way he would have gotten in, I don't think. So tell us a bit about that. Why do you think he wouldn't have got in? Well, thankfully, I had one of our listeners send me via LinkedIn uh, his entire RAAF record. Right. Now, interestingly enough, it has a lot of reports on it. There was an interesting thing where he was was charged and actually given a custodial sentence, 90 days in the stockade, for flying out uh, for reckless flying essentially he went out of the training area mm. right he was an RAAF pilot he was out of the training area and he went to Buzzy's old school which just happened to be Geelong Grammar so literally he was doing diving runs over Geelong Grammar Geelong Grammar would have rung up the RAAF and went why have you got a plane buzzing us and then of course they would have gone what's the number on the plane we know who the pilot is he gets pinged and his big thing was, ha, 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 it was just a joke. Now, interestingly enough, when you go through his flying record, the one thing that comes in is the mm. word overconfident. Yeah. A bit overconfident. Sounds a bit cocky. Yeah. Sounds a bit like Iceman from right. Top Gun. Here's, well, uh, Iceman was a pilot. <laughs> I mean, in Top Gun 2, gee, that was a really sad Val Kilmer. But here's the thing. This is what his record states. Yeah. Quite sound, very intelligent, but shockingly overconfident. Very proud of his past and displays no sense of balance. So he's a psychopath. Well, psychopath's <laughs> a bit hard. Here's the interesting thing. There is one part of this document. I can't find it, but essentially says, good pilot, not officer material. 
Interesting. Now, interestingly enough, and it was something... So it could not lead. Well, could lead, but not... Uh, there's another point in there where it says he's not really highly regarded by his men. Yeah. Right, so anyone that he works with doesn't... Like, like yeah, okay, they, we're mates with him, but they, he's not a highly regarded individual. Now, this becomes a massive problem in an organisation like ASIO, which is dead man's shoes. You only go up. When someone vacates, right. literally someone's got to die for you to get a promotion because it's a very small organisation yeah. and there's not a lot of opportunity for promotion. So it's really the best of the best that get pushed up the line. Sounds like every government agency. It's pretty much every organisation yeah. on the planet. I mean, it's like being an actor. We don't all get to make $20 million movies. Only the guys at the very pointy end of the wedge yeah. do, right? So the whole thing with this is basically – he got into what's called middle management. He was the supervisor of espionage in Sydney. So he's running operations against the Eastern Bloc. Yeah. Right? They're the guys that were our espionage. They were the ones that were going to be like trying to conduct espionage operations against Australia. It was espionage section's job to shut them down. Right. He was running that. Now, if he got it in his head that he wasn't going to go any further than that, mm. that's not good for his ego. Yeah. His ego is definitely going to go, well, if you know what, if you're not going to do that, I'm going to show you how good I am by showing the enemy how good I am. Right. And that's a really, really big point. This sort of thing would have been exposed in a, a normal psychological profile. The recruiting process into ASIO, and as I've said, I can't go into the detail, but it is very thorough. And yeah. then when you get into vetting and positive vetting, that's even more thorough. This guy had top secret access. Yes. So he probably shouldn't have had it. No. So it says a lot about what ASIO was kind of like in those days. Mm, totally. Now, here's I mean, also... When you were in, it says a lot about what ASIO was like in those days. I mean, if they let you in. Uh, yeah. Now, I've had that conversation and it was a really interesting one. I've had the conversation yeah. with one of the psychologists that was a very good friend of mine and also one of uh, fairly upper echelon. You passed the psych? I passed the psych. And according to the psychologist, as she put it, you're a better actor than you realise. Yeah. But as the officer who was a like hardcore operations officer turned around, he said, you actually are the kind of person we look for because you don't think inside Because you're box. affable. You're, a, I'm affable, but B, yeah. I, I, I think... Yeah, I've you got think, more, yeah, more broadly. A more lateral yes. way of thinking. Now, interestingly enough, I got pinged when I kept saying in I Spied, the one-man show, you know, so what if ASIO had a mole in it? Right. I used to say that in the show as a joke. And then I'd stop and go, oh, uh, that's probably not something you should be told. And then whoever's on the crew in that show would have a like pen laser and they'd just start lighting pen lasers right. up on my heart and my head. Right. It was a great joke. The thing was I, an ASIO officer, an ex-ASIO officer came yep. and saw the show and then sat me down and went, what do you know about this? And I'm like going, oh, my God, I'm right? And he went, right. what makes you think you're right? And I sort of said, well, you know, the, what was going on in the late, uh, early 80s, all that sort of so stuff. So you kind of knew this was going on. I kind of figured it out. And that's when they turned around, he turned around and said, see, that's why you probably would have been a, yes. a candidate to cross to generalist stream. But you know what? The one thing they didn't bargain on was David's a 15-year-old and will never grow up. Never grow up. Now, Mike Burgess, who, you know, has been – you know, a big believer in transparency. Yeah. Hasn't commented on this. Do you expect that he would? Um, probably not because it's already been commented on. There's yeah. really nothing he can say. And again, it's not his problem. This is a problem that had been literally... But it did take investigative journalists to kind of bring it out. Now, the subject of this entire thing, Mr. Peacock died in 2006. Yes. Right. So that's and, one. Th and never admitted it. Never. Now, that's the fascinating thing. Yeah. But 
why should he? If you can't prove it, why, why so do I So what did he to? do with all his money? Well, I think he wound up being the Commodore of a sailing club somewhere well, up on the northern did. beaches yeah. and lived a very rich and happy life. I bet he did. But by the sounds of it, he grew up with privilege. And grew then, up with privilege in the belief that anything you want, you take. Yeah, whatever you want is yours. And then he found that he was in an organisation that went, you're going to go this far but no further. So kind of a bit of – he was feeling a bit of a grudge against the organisation. Ego. Let's yeah. go back to the old mice. Yeah. Money, ideology, compromise, ego. Ideology, unlikely. Money, compromise, yes. no. Money, yes. Money, hell yeah. yeah. Ego, hell yeah. You only need a couple. Yeah. Right. You've got one, you're halfway there, but if you've got two, you pretty much got them. The other interesting thing, and again, it shows how very, very good he was at his job, was the fact that it took the Russians about two years to work out who he was. Basically, by they literally had to sit on dead drops mm. and wait until he showed up to pick them up, get photos of him, and then start the ID, follow him home, get the ID process going. Because if, as someone said, and I love this quote, we run agents, agents don't run the KGB. Right. And he was, he was essentially for two years running them. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he called the shots. Yeah. And when you're running an agent, you don't want them calling the shots because they get cocky, they get lazy. And And they they make mistakes. They make mistakes. The big thing with him was he wasn't making mistakes. But which is so interesting and it kind of speaks to the fact that he potentially was in the right job. He just wasn't using his powers for good. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, we had an exceptionally talented intelligence officer who wasn't very good at leading people. Yeah. What do you do with this guy if he wants to lead people? And they're like, you're not. You're not officer material, mm. right? We all have to gr- we all have to live with the fact that we have our dreams and our beliefs in ourselves. But oh, is this where you, where you make a sad story about you not getting to your dreams? No, 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 no. Because uh, uh, this that's a really good point. Actually, <laughs> that's a great point, right? One of the things that I have always adhered to in my life is dreams. Not are having right. dreams. <laughs> well, they're malleable. Yeah, they change are. your dream, right? If it's not going to happen the way you want it to. Work out another way of doing it or find something else to target your ambition towards. Right now, again, that sounds very rational. Interestingly enough, a show, an impro show was on in Sydney at the moment that I worked on but never got asked to do. Yeah. And I was so angry about that. Yeah. So how dare you not ask me to do it? But the thing is, then I looked at everybody that is doing it and I went, Oh, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. They don't need another white boy in there, right? Like they need more women. They need more diversity. And you know what? The guy who's actually doing this, the stuff that I do, he's freaking brilliant. Why would I? Yeah. And the great thing is instead of going, no, it's not fair and, you know, screw you, it's I deserve it. My attitude is at least somebody has got this thing up. And that's positive positive for everybody. The fact that this guy went, I'm not getting what I want. And again- I'm going to take everything down I'm with I'm going to take it down with me. Now, the interesting thing about this mm. is this was after the Woodward and the Woods Royal Commissions, right? So particularly the Woodward Royal Commission that turned around and went, ASIO is being run badly. The entire setup is incorrect. But this guy had gone literally from the very beginning. I think he joined when it first started mm. in 49. He basically went, uh, hang on a minute. You're going to move the goalposts. That's going to make my life even harder. Mm. Like my ability to get up into the high echelons of the executive branch. No, 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 no. I, I'm not happy with this. So I think there, his ego was badly bruised by the fact that he never moved past that point in his career. And also the fact that in multiple reports from the Air Force, they're saying he was overconfident. So how was there no red flags then on this person? How did he evade for so long? 
we didn't do what we do now. Oh, at all. At all. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Look, we would But like when they were going through, when they realised that they had to have had a mole. Yep. Of course they would have gone through everyone. Yep. Yeah, but they would have looked at them then. Right, oh. they wouldn't have gone. Let's do. A, let's go back. Let's and do a deep psychological dive on every single member. Every two years, you have to front up mm. internal security, and they will turn around and ask you the same bloody questions that they asked you the first time they spoke to you. Yeah. Right. Now, the thing about that is, people's lives change. Mm. Right. The classic example was, you know, the idea of an alcoholic wife. How's everything at home? And if you turn around, and go, everything's fine. It's fine. Mm. Right. And if it's not fine, that becomes a problem because that's a point of compromise. But if you turn around and go, look, I'm really worried about my wife. She's drinking a lot. We're dealing with it. We're, you know, she's seeking counseling, yeah. whatever is going on. Or, you know, how's everything at home? My wife's having an affair, right? Uh, my marriage is breaking up. ASIO need to know that because it, it speaks to your stability, your mental stability, your psychological profile. If, you know, if the pressure gets too much, they will pull you out of stuff. So, so they didn't have a psychological profile. They didn't do that back in the day. It was, it was an old, like the old and bold. It was an old boys club. Mm. You were in the RAAF with me. I trust you. That's fine, right? Now, that was the same problem that MI6 and MI5 had. Now, the whole thing is it's like basically – ASIO were playing catch-up with the other intelligence. They were all doing the same thing at about the same time. After Philby Burgess, Meredith and McLean, MI6 basically went, we can't do it this way anymore. And that was probably mid to late 60s. ASIO were mid to late 70s. They started going, we need to change up our game. So when it comes to the security of the nation, of course things have changed since then. Dramatically. Dramatically. But interesting that you were shocked and many other people were shocked. Why, why were you so shocked? Because of his position. Right. And also, you're really hoping you're wrong. You really want to be wrong. You really want to go, no, it, no, it wasn't one of us. I mean, funnily enough, somebody asked me you know, an example. And the mm. example everyone says is you find out your wife's having an affair or yep. you, you find out your husband's having an affair. For me, I looked at – when I went, what's a good analogy for this? I went, Hansi Cronier, the South African cricket captain who was caught fixing matches, mm. right? That is the kind of same level. You spend your life or your, you know, your life working to be the very best you can be. You get asked to join the South African First Eleven yeah. and you're playing cricket for your country and I am doing this, you know, yeah, sure. All professional sportsmen are doing it for cheating. themselves, but I'm doing this for the country. As we say in Australia, the most stressful position in the, Australia is the Prime Minister. The second most stressful is the cricket captain. Yeah. And by the way, well done, Paddy and the boys. Great work in the first test. All right. Right. But the thing is, Hansi Cronier was fixing matches for money. So it didn't matter how well you played. You could be the best batsman, the best bowler. You're getting screwed because the guy who's telling you what to do, the guy who's setting the fields, is setting you up to lose, right? This is the same thing here. Peacock was setting up his guys, his men in the field, mm. to lose. And not only doing that, He's looking at them and sending messages back to the KGB going, you might want to look at him because which, when I go, you might want to Which him is to why me. it's interesting to me that he, the finger was never pointed at him. But again, it's that Because whole- he was in charge. So it just it's so interesting that a whole old boys club, they were so enamoured with being buddy-buddy with each other. Well, don't forget they didn't even know what was going on. Right. right. Uh, well, it took an FBI and a CIA officer to walk into the DG's office and when the DG went, I'll get everybody else, and they went, no, you bloody won't. We're talking to you and you alone. That's a major moment yeah. when you're 
allies are the ones going, you're screwed. Now, it comes down to a very the, – the most important point here is the fact that, thank God, MI6 had people in the KGB because it was moles in the KGB. Now, interestingly enough, as our know, producer Zanon said, when he turned around and went, well, what's the big deal? They had a mole in ASIO. Exactly. We had a mole in there. It's tit for tat. We didn't have a mole in there. MI6 did, right? And MI6 could have quite happily gone, right, let's cut off all the intelligence flow to ASIO, which they tacitly did. Yeah, right? well, they would have had to. Right, until they figure out what's going on. But no, they did what a good ally does and go, you have a rat in the ranks and you need to clean up your mess. Yeah, so we know as well Burgess has been quite forthright in saying, you know, these are the most difficult times in terms of having moles and yeah. people trying, like spies trying to get get information out of us, you know, particularly we've got the war in Ukraine. Russia would be keen to know what's going on there. And look, Russia don't, as Neil Fergus, a friend of the podcast, Neil Fergus, who has the last line on the ABC, Mm. the mole hunt never stops. No. We caught that mole. Where's the next one hiding? And that's what I was going to say. I would imagine that this, in some regards, you would think that this – would kind of amp up the rhetoric around making sure that those moles get found out. Yeah. Now, an interesting thing that came up in the Four Corners report is how one officer who was approached by Peacock Mm. to say, hey, would you be interested, turned around and went, no, I wouldn't, but then never reported it to internal security. Yeah, that's – and what (sighs) – it's exhausting. Why? Yeah, yeah, again, for me, I'm like – why? My God, the first thing I'd be doing is going and knocking on their door going, guys. Well, clearly, if he was asking him, he thought there was a level of trust between them, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, again, but that's the genius of a really, really skilled intelligence officer. And he could have positioned it like a, a hypothetical. Yeah. No, mate, you know, if you were approached. Yeah, what would you do? If someone was offering you this much yeah, money. what would you do? Oh, my God, what would you do? Yeah, because oh, I mean, I'd, I'd say in the no. house. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like a, a really skilled intelligence officer knows how to get you to, like, literally trap you. Right. So this is this has been really good. So what is the fallout from here? I, would, I Is kind of like my next question. We definitely would love to speak to, to Neil, but he's probably all tied up. Oh, yeah. I, I actually did. And I, literally I, all tied I, up. I, I called him <laughs> and he went, not yet. Just yeah, get, yeah, yeah. Not yet. So and, where do we go from here in terms of what's it, what would be easier? Or, or is it just, you know, just keep on going down the same track they've been going? They're still going to be looking for moles. Right? That, yeah. as, as Ferg said, that never stops. Right. The other thing that's really important to remember, mm. like really important to remember, Members, we well, we the public don't know what he gave the Russians. We don't know everything. Now, now interestingly enough, a defector who came out after the collapse of the Soviet Union, we, there was uh, a whole bunch of other defectors. One, the big thing was the KGB resident in Canberra at the time mm. when Peacock was recruited, uh, or at least not recruited, volunteered. He went back to Dzinski Square when he was his posting ended. He went back and was give, awarded a medal. And there were people in other divisions, including this defector or this double agent who was working for MI6. He was working in another sector and they were walking past Directorate K, which is the ones that handle what they call soft assets. Yeah. Like, so human sources. Basically walked past and saw him getting a medal. And it's like, he went, he's from Australia. He's getting a medal. They cracked ASIO. Like, so the defector or the, the double agent for MI6 in, K, in the KGB 
basically went, if he's getting a medal from and he's come back from Australia, mm. he's done. He's cracked ASIO. The only way he'd get that medal. And that was another clue, right? So those clues. So interesting. Yeah. Now, one defector who left was an archivist and he brought quite a lot of material with him. I should imagine he brought it with him on um, microfish because I can't imagine him walking out with all the files. Microfish. Yeah. <laughs> Remember those days? You go to the library and look, get the microfish out. Crazy times. I know, I Crazy drive, times. I can drive a microfish reader quite well. <laughs> Even these days, you know, the uh, pedals, the handles, I can drive it all. Now, the thing is, right, he came back and in that archive that he brought with him mm. is the information that he handed over. ASIO, we're not going to release that. No. Right. A, it's classified material, but B, they still need to figure – they still need to go through it all mm. and work out where the you – know, what – the consequence of that information being passed on has done. Because, you know, this is the thing that everyone sort of forgets is intelligence is a long game. It's I remember sitting down with a couple of producers from Channel 9 who went, we want to make a show about spies. Yeah. And, you know, at the end they'll arrest them. No, that doesn't happen. And they were like, no, 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 it does. I went, no, it doesn't. And a friend of mine who was ex-ASIO who was sitting with me went, no, he's right. The handcuffs don't lock. It's mm. very rare. It's like at the end of the series, that season, you might lock a handcuff, but generally you don't. Now, this is the thing. We never got to lock the handcuffs on Peacock. They actually approached him with a bag of money at the end, reportedly, to which he went, threw the bag of money in the air and went, see ya. Like, right. you got nothing on me. And so do you think his family would have known? No. No, I, I don't. A really good spy does Clearly doesn't. a man with double life. But that's what a spy is. They are people with double lives. I know, they, but like this is, this takes it to the next level. Oh, like yeah. Double crossing people around you and people that you work with yep. every day. It takes an extreme personality to do that. Now, interestingly enough, hopefully we're at a point now, and I, I firmly believe that we would be, where our vetting and our recruiting process mm. is in such a place that that just wouldn't happen. You just wouldn't get in. No. Right? But back in the day, he joined when ASIO didn't have any rules. ASIO was still being built. Yeah. Right? So if you're the guy who's building the organization, you build it in the image you want it to be. You make sure that the blind corners, yeah. the switches, everything that everything you need to operate your way is in place. Now, of course, that evolved over time. Everything changed. But by the time he went, right, I'm done with this, he was so entrenched in the organization that, no, it couldn't possibly be him. He's a good guy. We know him, right? Yeah. It can't be him because he's the guy looking for him. And it's that classic thing. The best mole to be is the mole that's looking for the mole. Exactly. Right? And again, it comes down to that thing of ASIO then compared to ASIO now. I mean, now we just think this is unheard of. But again- You never know. Look at what's going on in, the, in America. You've I got know. people handing over plans for nuclear submarines. There's a lot going on in, in America. sandwich bags. Yes. You know, we've got presidents who haven't- you know, most people would have a penthouse magazine. You know that I, I'd expect he would have a penthouse magazine somewhere in those boxes, but to keep it in a toilet. Look, there's so much to unpack here, but I think we've done a really good top line job, and yeah. I'm sure that you know if anything comes out about this further down the track, we'll of course cover it. But this yeah. is right in your wheelhouse, it, right? Look, in my wheelhouse because I came in just after he left. What's really interesting is the organization has reached out to former officers to say if this is causing you any, you know, emotional distress or if you yeah. have, if it's triggered any memories that we need to know, get in touch because it doesn't affect the officers today. No. Right? 
but it really affects the officers, and a lot of them are old, right, older than me. It affects them in a very, yes. very profound way. Well, I, I could only imagine. And hopefully we can convince our good friend Neil to chat to us, but we'll see. I also might have a little chat to my friend Harry because uh, not only would it be interesting to get his take on this, but he also writes a very mean spy novel. Oh, Great. Yeah. Well, this this has all the trappings of an Australian miniseries. Oh, yeah. Well, look, can I be honest with you? Yeah. I'm literally like sitting here going, which network is going to grab this story yeah, yeah. first? Yeah, 100%. Because it's a great story. But you know what? There won't be that many guns in it. There just never are. Boring. Oh, come on. Really good mental work is pretty cool. Boring. Boring.